Something to note, all myths have many versions and variations. For this episode, we've selected those we felt are the most entertaining and supplemented them with additional research into Greek myths and traditions. Our myths may not always be the version you're familiar with, but we hope you'll enjoy them. But be warned, this episode features dramatizations of incest, sexual coercion and assault, torture and murder. Listener discretion is advised, especially for listeners under 13. A toast to our honored guest and visitor, Creon. To Creon. Thank you both. You have been most kind, King Sisyphus, Queen Merope. The road from Athens was fraught with bandits, so I am relieved to be in the safety of your home. How's the lamb? Delicious. It makes me miss my wife's cooking. But of course, consider our home yours until you can rejoin her. King Sisyphus of Ephira forced a smile as he spoke to his guest. He hadn't welcomed Creon by choice. He was bound by the Greek custom of Xenia, a strict law of hospitality that required everyone to accept travelers into their homes. Not only were the guests given hot baths, clean robes, and even food for their horses, they were considered sacred, untouchable. As part of this evening's festivities, would you do me the pleasure of partaking in a game of wits? Sisyphus, I told you to leave Creon alone. Hush, Merope. Creon won't mind. He'd like to see my cleverness, wouldn't you, Creon? I suppose your hospitality has been most kind, so I feel duty-bound. Good. It's a riddle I devised myself. If you answer correctly, then you will have much luck in your travels. And if not? Then perhaps you will find danger instead. It goes like this. I rise in the west and set in the east, and you can never get rid of me. What am I? Hmm. I rise in the west, so it's not the sun. I don't know. Uh, Is it the moon? Oh, sorry, Creon. Good try, but sadly, that's wrong. The correct answer is your shadow. A shadow, of course! How clever! Well, thank you for the entertainment. I should retire to bed. I have a long journey tomorrow to Illyria. As Creon stood up, Sisyphus gestured to his guards to bar the door. He drew his double-edged Xephos from its scabbard and pointed the blade at Creon. Please, Sisyphus, not again. What is the meaning of this? I'm a guest in your home. You dare break the terms of Senea? You're flaunting the most sacred law of the gods. To Hades with the gods. Let them try to stop me. In one swipe of the blade, Sisyphus cleaved through Creon's neck. His head tumbled to the ground and rolled away like a discarded ball. Little did Sisyphus know, eventually the gods would send him to Hades, and the punishment would be much, much worse. Welcome to Mythology, a Spotify original from Parcast. 
Every Tuesday, we present dramatic stories from ancient mythology and explore their origins. I'm your host and narrator, Vanessa Richardson. You can find all episodes of Mythology and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. In today's episode, we're telling the story of Sisyphus, the king of Ephira, who was considered clever, perhaps too clever for his own good. This week, we'll chronicle how Sisyphus drew the ire of the most powerful god, Zeus. Then, next week, we'll explore how Sisyphus suffered one of the most famous punishments in history. But first, some background on one of Greek mythology's trickiest rulers. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like, what the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. Throughout Greek mythology, how many characters are remembered solely for their punishment? Of the handful, Sisyphus is undoubtedly the most famous. You may already be familiar with his torment, pushing a boulder up a steep mountainside only to have it roll back down for eternity. As punishments go, it doesn't elicit the visceral reaction of, say, having one's liver pecked out by an eagle or one's hair turned into snakes. But it strikes a chord in subtle existential ways. For that reason, Sisyphus captured the imaginations of writers and philosophers for millennia to come. He makes appearances in Homer's The Odyssey, Ovid's Metamorphoses, and in French philosopher Albert Camus' The Myth of Sisyphus. In nearly all of these works, the king of Ephira was remembered mostly for his pushing the giant boulder. His punishment was so terrifying, so iconic, that people tend to forget the crimes he was condemned for. Most importantly, breaking one of the cardinal laws of Greek society, Senia. For hosts who mistreated their guests, the gods prescribed death. So when Sisyphus murdered visitors to Ephira, not only was he disrespecting the law, he was disrespecting the gods themselves. And that had consequences, dire ones. 
Meripit, get his feet. We'll feed him to the pigs. There'll be no trace. Sisyphus, Creon was our guest. Oh, please. He was an utter bore. Besides, he insulted your cooking. I didn't cook it. The servants did. And he was just being sweet. He missed his wife. If Ephira is ever going to rival Athens, our guests must love it here. I can't let a single bad review like that escape our walls. Everyone will be talking about it. Is this about your brother, Salmoneus? He named a city after himself. Oh, Sisyphus, you have to let it go. He thinks he's more crafty than me, but I'll show him. I'll get to him one way or another, and when he's out of the way, there will be no question. I'll be the cleverest man in all of Greece. But it seemed that Sisyphus just wasn't clever enough. For years, he tried to have Salmoneus killed. Assassins, poison, even outright warfare. None were successful. Finally, Sisyphus turned to Apollo, the god of archery, truth, and prophecy. Apollo foretold that if Sisyphus fathered children with Salmoneus' daughter, the offspring would grow up and kill Salmoneus. So Sisyphus undertook an elaborate ruse to seduce his niece. First, he called a truce to his battle with Salmoneus. Then he invited the daughter of his nemesis to visit Ephira. Tyro, welcome to Ephira. You're looking more radiant than ever. Aw, Uncle, you're so sweet. <laughs> Please, don't call me Uncle. It makes me feel old. Well, Sisyphus, why the change of heart about my father? I thought you hated him. <laughs> oh, you know, sibling rivalries, they come and go, which is why I invited you here, to put our bad blood to bed, as it were. Come. I'll explain everything over dinner. Sisyphus treated Tyro to an elaborate meal of roast lamb and wine. Only this time, he had no intention of murder. Once Tyro began feeling the effects of the alcohol, he began to kiss her neck. Tyro, your skin is so soft. Uncle Sisyphus, I don't think... This is what my father meant when he sent me as an envoy. It's all right. Just let it happen. You've always looked at me differently. I've seen it. Sure, you've always been my favorite uncle. You're so smart. You're the wittiest man I've ever met. Tell me that again. It's music to my ears. Your wit, it's heavenly. But this just feels wrong. Where's Aunt Merope? She knows this is what's best for our cities. Kiss me again. Please, Uncle. I I mean, Sisyphus. Tyro found herself unable to refuse him as much as she wanted to. As the night wore on, she wondered if she had brought this on herself. And as the cruel king hoped, Tyro's belly began to grow. Sisyphus was thrilled. Not only did he soon have two sons, but he was confident they would fulfill Apollo's prophecy. But there was one thing Sisyphus didn't count on. I'm Merope! What a lovely surprise! 
Cairo, your boys are getting so big. Thank you. I I know we haven't discussed what happened. I just wanted to say this was not my intention. Oh, it's not your fault. Once my husband gets a scheme in his head, he won't let it go. Scheme? Oh, no. I thought you knew. Knew what? Apollo's prophecy. If my husband sired children with you, they'd grow up to slay your father. It was never about you at all. That lying, deceitful monster! From your lips to the gods' ears. Oh, I hope I didn't say too much. No. Thank you, Aunt Merope. I'm glad you told me. Tyro gathered the boys and returned to their bedchamber. That evening, while the children slept soundly, she crept into their rooms. She watched her sons sleeping peacefully in their beds. Stay asleep. Please stay asleep. Hands shaking, she pulled out a dagger and slit their throats. The next morning, when Sisyphus came to fetch the boys for their weekly hunting lesson, he was surprised not to find them running about. Tyro, where are the boys? It's bow and arrow day. They won't be joining you, uncle. What did I tell you about calling me that? (sighs) Never mind. Come, where are they? I should clarify. They won't be joining you, ever. (sighs) I killed them. You're lying. Couldn't have. Are you sure about that? Sisyphus raced into the boys' chambers. He found their pale bodies motionless on their beds, ringed by dried halos of blood. He collapsed to the floor and wept. Seeing this, Tyro no longer felt grief for her poor children. Are you weeping for the boys? Or the fact that they won't fulfill the prophecy to kill my father? Sisyphus, did you hear me? Sisyphus didn't answer. He was transfixed by something on the horizon. Dark storm clouds gathered in the sky, blocking out the sun. In the distance, he could hear the faint rumble of thunder. Sisyphus knew this wasn't a normal thunderstorm. The clouds were centered over the most divine place in the world, Mount Olympus, the home of Zeus. And he was right to be worried. Zeus looked upon Sisyphus's family squabbles with outrage. The king of the gods was already fuming about Sisyphus's disregard for Senea, but this was the final straw. If Sisyphus wanted to disobey the gods, he would have to be punished. Coming up, a battle of wills between gods and man begins. Hi, it's Vanessa from ParCast, and I'm here to tell you about my new 10-episode limited series, Obituaries. They're some of the most iconic figures of all time, celebrated in death for their individual achievements and impact on society. But in life, the relationships they kept tell a different story, one of unexpected connections that yielded extraordinary change. 
Every Wednesday on Obituaries, join my co-host Carter and me as we explore the shared legacies of prolific pairs from the past, from the mutual traumas of entertainers Marilyn Monroe and Ella Fitzgerald, to the unlikely admiration between visionaries Mark Twain and Nikola Tesla. Each episode of Obituaries digs deep into the lasting impressions made between two legendary figures and how their entanglements changed the course of history. These meaningful duos may have passed on, but the profound effect they had on each other and us will live on forever. Follow the Spotify original from Parcast, Obituaries. Listen free only on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now, back to the story. Sisyphus, king of Athera. You have defied the gods of Mount Olympus and the law of Senea for too long. Prepare to meet your doom. Zeus reached into the dark mass of clouds forming around him and conjured a bolt of lightning, molding the glowing sparks into a spear. He took aim at Ephira and its blasphemous King Sisyphus, but just before he launched the bolt of lightning, something caught his eye. My, my, what do we have here? Zeus's attention fell on a lush green valley nearby. There, in a shallow stream, a beautiful young nymph frolicked. Her hair was the color of river rock, and her eyes sparkled like a rainbow trout. In a moment, Zeus forgot all about Sisyphus. He needed to have her right now. The storm clouds that had been gathering above his head dissipated. He transformed into a giant eagle and dove toward the valley. Many miles away, Sisyphus watched with relief as the sky cleared. He had a sneaking suspicion that the storm had been meant for him, but almost as soon as the clouds disappeared, he noticed another strange sight, a giant bird carrying a shrieking nymph into the distance. Sisyphus rubbed his eyes. Maybe he was imagining it, but when he looked again, the bird and nymph were still there, disappearing toward the horizon. He couldn't believe it. Unless he was mistaken, he was witnessing one of Zeus's trysts. Sisyphus combed his fingers through his dense, charcoal beard. He knew that someday this knowledge might be useful to him. He didn't care about the nymph's safety, of course. He only cared about one thing, solidifying his reputation as the cleverest man in Greece. Little did he know, the information would come in handy sooner than he thought. Later that day, Sisyphus received word that a strange man had entered his city's walls. He was stopping passersby in the street, inquiring if they had seen his daughter. 
This, Sisyphus realized, was the opportunity he was waiting for. He raced to the city center. The man was peculiar indeed. Naked except for a loincloth of lily pads, he had silver hair like an old man, but his arms and chest rippled with the muscles of a 20-year-old. Sisyphus beckoned the man aside. Good sir, uh, it seems like you were lost. Uh, uh, I am not lost, but I have lost something. Have you by any chance seen a young river nymph? Hmm, a young river nymph, you say? Once again, Sisyphus ignored the tradition of Sania. Instead of immediately offering to help the guest to feed or bathe him, Sisyphus broke another rule. Who are you, old man? I am the river god Esipus. The nymph is my daughter, Agina. She is an innocent, carried away by a giant eagle earlier today. Come to think of it, I might have seen someone who resembles that description. Please, tell me, anything that could aid in my search. It seems we might be able to help each other. You need to find your daughter, and my city of Ephira needs a spring of fresh water. Perhaps we could strike a deal. You dare to bargain with me while my daughter is in danger? Have you no respect for Sinea? You're right. Perhaps I should mind my own business. On second thought, maybe I didn't see where that ripe, nubile nymph was taken. Have you no decency, Sisyphus? Not often, no. I have a city to look after. Decency always gets in the way. Fine. You want a spring? Here. In the middle of Ephira's town center, Esopus conjured a gushing spring of clean, crisp water. Sisyphus giggled with excitement and scooped it up in his hands to drink. It's the purest water I have ever tasted. Ephira will be the envy of all Greeks, especially my stupid brother, Salmoneus. I bet he doesn't have a spring like this. I'll be worshipped by all. I have fulfilled my end of the bargain. Now it's your turn, Sisyphus. Fair enough. Zeus carried your daughter toward the sea. It appeared they were heading for the Saronic Islands off the coast of Athens. May you find her before Zeus defiles her innocent, virginal body. You scum, Sisyphus. If I wasn't in such a rush, I'd turn you into a river eel to live out your days in the muck. With that, Esopus raced from the city of Ephira. When he arrived at the tough knobs of rock known as the Saronic Islands, he tracked his daughter's screams to one island in particular. There he found Zeus standing over her, the torn remains of her tunic in his hands. Unhand my daughter, Zeus! Aesopus, you know there's nothing you can do. I'd rather die than let you touch her. That can be arranged. Zeus called forth a storm cloud over his head and rained lightning bolts on the meddling river god. Aesopus fought valiantly for his daughter, but one spear caught him on the side of the head and knocked him to the ground. The blow dashed his head against the rocks and everything went dark. Later, when Aesopus awoke, Zeus was standing over him. Aesopus. You shouldn't have come after us. You know this wasn't personal. It was personal to me. If it's any consolation, I'll name this island after her. 
Just tell me one thing. You've taken my daughter. What else do you want from me? How did you find us? The King of Ephira told me. He saw you carrying her in the form of an eagle. Sisyphus, I should have destroyed him when I had the chance. I would happily get rid of that smug trickster for you. Thank you, but I have a better candidate. Someone who is destined to torture him in unfathomable ways. Where is Thanatos? Someone bring me the God of Death! Coming up, Sisyphus faces his most deadly opponent yet. Now, back to the story. Thanatos arrived at Mount Olympus, shrouded by a horrific black cloak, woven of long dead corpses and wailing souls. So horrific was his appearance that many of the Olympian gods recoiled at his sight, but not Zeus. He welcomed him with open arms. Thanatos, thanks for coming. Not at all. Your brother sends his regards. Well, I hope Hades can spare you because I have a task that requires your unique qualifications. I'm intrigued. What is this task? It's about the king of Athera, Sissy something. He has dishonored Senea and has also chosen to cross me personally. I would like him punished. It would be my pleasure. Do you have anything special in mind for him? I don't know. Something wicked. Chain him to a sea monster. Bury him alive. Use your imagination. All that matters is that he should suffer the worst punishment mankind has ever seen. I could stake him to the ground and let fire ants gnaw on his flesh forever. <laughs> and that is why you're the perfect being for this job. I will leave his eternal damnation to you. I trust it will be exquisite. <laughs> Thank you, my liege. I will make you proud. Thanatos had been tasked with punishing mortals before. He had chained the giant Titios so vultures could peck at his liver. He had made Tantalus stand in a pool of water with food just out of reach, forever. But this task was special. It was a personal favor for Zeus. He knew he could not let him down. Thanatos took his leave and set his sights on the city of Ephira. After Sisyphus had divulged Zeus's location to Esopus, he knew it was only a matter of time until Zeus or one of his henchmen came knocking. So when the shadowy form of Thanatos arrived in Ephira, the crafty king wasn't surprised. In fact, he was ready. Thanatos, well, welcome to Ephira. Allow me to take those heavy chains from you. Uh, let me draw you a warm bath. After that, we will feast. It's too late to honor Senea now, foolish king. I have come to take you to Hades. Come, try some roast lamb. It's our specialty. Enough, mortal. You're coming with me now. Would you allow me to say goodbye to my wife at least? Make it fast, Sisyphus. Sisyphus took as much time as he dared. He returned to Merope's side and reached out for an embrace. My dear Merope, whatever fate Thanatos has in store for me, the thought of your sweet face will sustain me. 
Don't touch me. I warned you your tricks would catch up to you. You've brought shame on me, our family, our city. You won't be remembered for your craftiness. You'll be remembered for your deceit. You don't think that the freshwater spring will sway some people? I thought that was pretty nice. Just go, Sisyphus. <clears throat> you heard her. Come on, King. No more delays. It's a long way to Hades. Sisyphus waved to the citizens of Ephira and then followed Thanatos out of the city. A short distance away, they boarded a wooden rowboat for the long journey to the river Styx, the gateway to Hades. It began much like a normal boat ride. Thanatos guided the craft through currents, past merchant vessels and fishermen, but when Sisyphus tried to wave, nobody waved back. He wondered if he was already dead or if the boat was enchanted. Either way, they passed unnoticed through the cities and towns. After many hours of floating down the river, Sisyphus tried to strike up a conversation. So, Thanatos, do you like riddles? I know a good one. Silence, mortal. I do not care for your chatter. How about a joke? Thanatos raised a spectral hand. Suddenly, Sisyphus could not open his mouth. His fingers grasped at his lips, but he could not get them to part. He tried to scream, but no sound came out. Sisyphus began to panic. He had never felt so powerless. His thoughts spun out of control, and eventually, he fainted. He woke to find Thanatos still steering the boat. Sisyphus grabbed for his mouth and found that it was free to move to speak again. He wanted to scream in joy, but he had learned his lesson. For now, he'd keep silent. He had scheming to do, after all. Later that day, Sisyphus rose and took a seat next to Thanatos. He looked at the heavy iron chain that lay in the stern and tried once more to make conversation. That's a beautiful chain you have. I've never seen metal like it before. Thanatos raised his hand, ready to seal Sisyphus's mouth again, but he noticed that his prisoner looked truly interested. Thanatos took pride in these fetters. They were his most prized possessions. This chain was crafted by Hephaestus, god of metalwork. I should have guessed. It's magnificent craftsmanship and it looks very strong. It's an iron alloy that is impervious to fire or any tools made by gods or men. Perfect in every way. Once it's clamped on someone, it's almost impossible to escape. I'm sure it's a long way to Hades. Perhaps you can tell me more about it? If I'm going to be chained for eternity, I might as well learn the history of my chains. Thanatos shrugged. What could it hurt? It was a journey that would take many days. Besides, he had never met anyone who wanted to talk about chains as much as this. When they arrived in Hades, Sisyphus could barely believe his eyes. It was a sprawling landscape with craggy mountains stretching in every direction. Instead of the sky above, there was only the darkness of the Earth's crust. But Sisyphus could still see 
thanks to lakes and rivulets of bubbling magma that ran by them. What was more unsettling was the sounds. There were constant pops and hisses of hot gases spewing from the earth, and something else, a cacophony of agonized screams. As Sisyphus's eyes adjusted to the dim red glow, he finally saw the source of the sound. Everywhere he looked, there were mortals in various states of punishment. Some were chained to mountains where their bodies were being eaten by beasts. Others were whipped as they swung heavy hammers onto rocks, smashing infinite piles of boulders. A shiver ran up Sisyphus's spine. He suddenly doubted whether he was clever enough to escape this terrifying place. Welcome to Hades. Who's your decorator? It's very rustic. Jokes and trickery won't save you here, Sisyphus. Time for your eternal punishment. Thanatos led Sisyphus into a dark cavern covered in jagged obsidian rocks. You will be chained in this cavern with only yourself to keep you company. Sisyphus looked at the cave. Razor-sharp stones covered the ground and walls, so there was nowhere to sit or rest. Even worse, no light or sound seemed to penetrate it. An isolation chamber. He realized he would spend eternity standing in chains with only himself to talk to. He knew he would quickly lose his mind. Fine. Look, you were such a good teacher on the way here. Uh, Perhaps you'd let me put my own chains on? I'll have to get accustomed to their weight anyway. I'll do it. It's my duty. Something you never learned during your life. Please, Thanatos. What's the harm in giving a doomed man a last wish? Thanatos looked around. There was no one watching. If the mortal wanted to put the chains on, what harm could it do? Thanatos would be sure to check to make sure that the prisoner hadn't made them too loose. After a moment, Thanatos handed the chains over to Sisyphus. Fine, but make it quick. They don't seem to close. Do I have to clamp the right one first, then left? I forget. I knew this would happen. Here, let me do it. Thanatos stooped down to secure the chains, when all of a sudden, Sisyphus clamped them onto him instead. What are you doing? (laughs) What does it look like? I just saved the world from the god of death. Your reign is over, Thanatos. No more of your throaty visits in the middle of the night. No more having to see our grandparents, parents, even children die. We're no longer mortal. We're immortal, just like you. Release me at once. You do not know what you're doing. Oh, I think I do. I'm saving humanity. (sighs) Curse you, Sisyphus. Perhaps my curse is cleverness, but it's never let me down so far. (sighs) Enjoy your freedom while you can, mortal. I'll be coming for you again. I promise you that. I don't know about that. You'd have to escape from those fetters. And I hear from a reputable source that they're quite unbreakable. (sighs) 
Thanatos unleashed a horrific scream. For a moment, it stole the joy out of Sisyphus's victory. He glanced fearfully around. He expected to be set upon by an army of guards, giants, or demons. But nobody appeared. In Hades, even Thanatos's horrific cry was just another in a chorus of screams. With no one coming, Sisyphus took off running across the rocky landscape. He knew the chains wouldn't hold Thanatos forever. Someone was bound to find him, but that didn't bother Sisyphus. Isn't that all life is, he reasoned, putting off the inevitable as long as possible? He couldn't wait to get back to the surface and tell everyone how he had tricked Thanatos. Finally, he would get the recognition he wanted. He would be the most famous man in all of Greece, certainly more than his smug brother, Salmoneus. In this moment, Sisyphus had no idea he would become legendary, not for escaping Hades, but for what would happen to him upon his return. Thanks again for tuning in to Mythology. We'll be back Tuesday with a new episode. Join us as Sisyphus escapes from the underworld of Hades, only to face an even worse punishment. You can find more episodes of Mythology and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. If you enjoy Mythology, you'll love my other podcast, Tales. Tales presents fairy tales the way they were originally told, orally and unadulterated. Traditional fairy tales aren't exactly suitable for children, and every Wednesday we dive into another dark, classic fable. We'll be back next week with the conclusion to this epic story. Mythology is a Spotify original from Parcast. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler. Sound design by Brian Golub, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Freddie Beckley. This episode of Mythology was written by Adam De Silva, with writing assistance by Robert Teamstra and Andrew Kelleher. Fact-checking by Haley Milliken, and research by Adriana Gomez. The amazing cast of voice actors includes Joe Hernandez, Julian Smith, and Rebecca Thomas. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Hi, it's Vanessa from Parcast. If you enjoy our in-depth profiles on historical figures and famous fates, you'll love my new limited series, Obituaries. Every Wednesday on Spotify, join me and my co-host Carter as we explore the unlikely bonds forged between two meaningful figures from the past and discover how those relationships impacted the future. Follow the Spotify original from Parcast, Obituaries. Listen weekly, free and only on Spotify.